Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Mr. Peter Aldous. Number one, please, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I know the whole House will join me in sending our profound sympathies to the family and friends of the 49 people who died in the horrific attack in Orlando on Sunday. This was an evil attack of terrorism and homophobic hatred, and we utterly condemn both of them. This attack, along with the callous murder of a French police couple on Monday, is a stark reminder of the challenge we face to defeat the poisonous ideology of Daesh, both online and on our streets. But I believe that together with our friends, with our allies and with our common values, we will prevail. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Peter Aldous. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I share the Prime Minister's sentiments in the sympathies expressed to the victims, families and friends of those in Orlando. The Australian parent company of Sealight United Kingdom Limited, who see Europe as a major market for expansion, have put on hold their plans to build a factory in the Enterprise Zone on the South Lowestoft Industrial Estate. Lowestoft has enormous potential as a centre for serving the European maritime market. But does the Prime Minister share my concern that this opportunity would unnecessarily be placed at risk if the UK leaves the EU? I certainly share my honourable friend's concern. I well remember visiting his constituency and seeing what a thriving business location Lowestoft is. He's right that many companies come to Britain and invest in Britain for many reasons, but one of the most important is access to the single market of 500 million customers. And next week we have the opportunity to put our place in that single market beyond doubt. And I hope that we wake up on June the 24th knowing that businesses are going to invest more in our country, create more jobs in our country, see more growth in our country because that will help the families of our country and the unemployment figures today another welcome fall in unemployment we can see continued progress let's keep our country moving forward thank you thank you mr speaker i concur and join with the prime minister in his remarks about the terrible deaths in orlando on monday i joined a vigil of thousands of lgbt people in soho in london to mourn the deaths of the 49 and also i want to say we say thank you to all those all over this country who attended vigils on monday night to show their concern and their horror about it quite simply we defeat such atrocities through our love and our solidarity and we need to send that message out Three years ago, Mr Speaker, there was a cross-party agreement for the implementation of Section 40 of the Crime and Courts Act and to proceed with Leveson 2 once criminal prosecutions were concluded. The Prime Minister will be aware that today there is a lobby of Parliament by the victims of phone hacking. The Prime Minister said a few years ago, we all did too much cozying up to Rupert Murdoch. Well, some of his Tory Brexit colleagues are certainly closing up to Rupert Murdoch at the moment. But will the Prime Minister give a commitment today that he will meet the victims of press intrusion and assure them that he will keep his promise on this? Well, first of all, let me again echo what he said uh, about the Orlando bombings. In terms of um, uh, the... Uh, Leveson issue, we said that we'd make a decision about the second stage of this inquiry once the uh, criminal uh, investigations and prosecutions were out the way. They are still continuing, uh, and so that is the situation there. I have met with victims of press intrusion, and I'm happy to continue to do so again. But I think right now people can accuse me of many things, but I think cozying up to Rupert Murdoch probably isn't one of them. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. 
Mr Speaker, my question was, will he meet the victims of phone hacking? I hope he will, because they deserve it, and he promised that he would meet them. A major funder, Mr Speaker, of the Leave campaign said, and I quote, if it were up to me, I'd privatise the National Health Service. The Honourable Member for Uxbridge said, if people have to pay for NHS services, they will value them more. Both he and the Honourable Member for Surrey Heath are members of a government that has put the NHS into record deficit. These people are now masquerading as the saviours of the NHS, wolves in sheep's clothing. Didn't the Honourable Member for Totnes get it right when she rejected the duplicity of this argument in the Leave campaign and decided to join the Remain campaign? I was delighted with uh, what my right honourable friend, my honourable friend, the, the uh, member for Totnes, said about wanting, about changing her mind, which is a brave thing for politicians to do, and saying that she thought that the NHS would be safer if we remain inside a reformed European Union. And I believe that very profoundly because the key to a strong NHS is a strong economy. And I think there can't be any doubt the nine out of ten economists, the Governor of the Bank of England, the IMF, the OECD, all of these other organisations saying our economy will be stronger and it's a strong economy that delivers a strong NHS. Thank you Mr Speaker. Last week the Prime Minister gave a welcome commitment to the closing of the loophole in the posting of workers directive. We'll hold him to that but we're concerned about the exploitation of migrant workers and the undercutting of wages in this country as a result of that. On that issue, will the Prime Minister today commit to the outlawing of the practice of agencies that only advertise abroad for jobs that are in reality jobs in this country? First of all, he and I absolutely agree about the evils of modern slavery, and that is why this government passed the Modern Slavery Bill with all parties' support. We've doubled the fines that can be put on companies uh, for exploiting labour in this way. We've actually strengthened the Gangmasters Licensing Authority, and they've, com they've commenced and carried out a number of prosecutions, including in the east of England where I was yesterday. And so we'll continue to take action on every level to make sure that people are paid the wages that they should be paid and the protections are there on the minimum wage and now on the national living wage. I think all of those are, are vitally important and will continue with all of those measures. I want people to get a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Jeremy Corbyn. Mr Speaker, my question was about outlawing the practice of advertising uh, by agencies only in other countries. Uh, tens of thousands of EU and other people have migrated to Britain, work in our public services and do a fantastic job. Many people in Britain are also concerned about immigration and their local communities. Surely, Mr Speaker, what communities need is practical solutions, like the Migrant Impact Fund, set up by Gordon Brown when he was Prime Minister, to deal with the extra pressure on housing, schools and hospitals. Will the Prime Minister now concede that it was a mistake to abolish that fund, and will he work with us to reinstate it as a matter of urgency to give support to those communities that are facing problems on school places and doctor's surgeries. 
Um, uh, he's absolutely right. Sorry, in answer to the question about advertising, about a- workers' agencies, about employment agencies that only advertise uh, for overseas workers, we are looking at that to see if we can, and we've announced this already, to see if we can ban that practice because we don't believe that is right. Of course, the answer to so many of these questions is actually to make sure we are training, educating, and employing British people and getting them the qualifications they need to take on the jobs that our economy is creating. And today's unemployment figures are another reminder of that. In terms of um, funds to help communities impacted by migration, we have a pledge in our manifesto, which we're looking forward to bringing forward, which actually a controlled migration fund to make sure that we put money into communities where there are pressures. Because, of course, there are some pressures, and we do need to address them. And I'm happy that we'll be able to work on a cross-party basis to do that. As I've said many times, there are good ways of controlling migration, and one of them is the important rules we're bringing in so people don't get instant access to our welfare system. But there are bad ways of controlling immigration. Leaving the single market and wrecking our economy is certainly one of them. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Today, a flotilla of boats is due to come along the Thames, uh, campaigning on fishing quotas not going to the UK domestic fleet. I've been looking out of the window and I haven't seen them come yet, but presumably they're on their way. The Prime Minister will be very well aware that reforms that were made three years ago actually put the power back into the hands of Member States and it's the UK Government that has given nearly two-thirds of the English and Welsh fishing quotas to just three companies, thus excluding small fishing communities all along our coasts. Can the Prime Minister stop blaming Brussels on this and tell our small-scale and sustainable fishing communities what action he will take to allow them to continue their work and indeed go further out in collecting fish? Well, well, first of all, can I thank him for saying that the reforms we carried through in the last Parliament, and my honourable friend, the member for uh, Newbury, was absolutely crucial uh, in delivering those changes. What we've actually seen in the last five years is an increase in the value of the UK fishing industry of something like 20%. And the point I would make is that we export every year uh, about a billion pounds worth of fish to the EU, and there is no country in the world that has a trade agreement with the EU that doesn't involve tariffs, taxes, on the sale of its fish. So there's no way we'd get a better deal from the outside than the deal we get on the inside. So working with our fishing communities, working with our fishermen, keeping that market open, open and making sure that we manage our fish stocks locally and appropriately is very much part of our plan. Jeremy Corbyn. But his government still did hand quotas over to three very large companies at the expense of small communities around Britain. I hope he will reflect on that. Mr Speaker, with just eight days to go before the referendum, the Labour position is that we are going to be voting to remain because we believe it is the best way to protect families, protect jobs and protect public services. We would oppose any post-Brexit austerity budget, just as we have opposed any austerity budget put forward by this Government. So will the Prime Minister take this opportunity to condemn the opportunism of 57 of his colleagues who are pro-leave, who have suddenly, these are members who backed the bedroom tax, backed cutting disability benefits and slashing care for the elderly, who suddenly have now had a Damascene conversion to the anti-austerity movement. Does he have any message for them? Does he have any message for them at all? What 
I'd say to the right hon. Gentleman is there are very few times when he and I are on the same side of an argument. And this must say to people watching back at home that when you've got the leader of the Labour Party and indeed almost all of the Labour Party, a Conservative government, the Liberal Democrats, the Greens, the official Ulster Unionists and the Scottish National Party all saying we have huge disagreements but on this vital issue for the future of our country the best option for Britain is to vote to remain in a reformed European Union. That really says something. It says something. And the truth is this. This is a huge choice for our country. Choices have consequences. If we wake up on June the 24th and we've remained in, our economy can continue to move forward. If we vote out, the experts warn us we will have a smaller economy, less employment, lower wages and therefore less tax receipts. And that's why we would have to have measures to address a huge hole in our public finances. And nobody wants to have an emergency budget. Nobody wants to have cuts in public services. Nobody wants to have tax increases. But I would say this, there's only one thing worse than not addressing a crisis in your public finances, than addressing it through a budget, and that is ignoring it. Because if you ignore a crisis in your public finances, you see your economy go into a tailspin, you see confidence in your country reduced. We can avoid all of this by voting Remain next week. Mr Speaker, having recently undertaken a real ale tour of some of my constituents' finest public houses and and having sampled some of the and having sampled some of the finest ales you're likely to taste, many of which are brewed locally in Derby North, recognised as the real ale capital of the UK, can I ask the Prime Minister to join me? In, in acknowledging the virtues and massive benefits to local economies from small and medium-sized breweries up and down the country. Happy to agree with my honourable friend. Uh, having spent last week at Shepherd Neem in Kent and having spent yesterday at Green King in Bury St Edmunds, I agree with her that a large quantity of real ale is one of the best ways to get through this gruelling referendum campaign and I would recommend it to everybody. The British beer industry is in good health because of the duty cuts from my right hon. Friend the Chancellor, because of the microbrewers um, tax regime. We've got a lot of craft beer, a lot of craft ale coming through in our country. It's an industry in good state and the brewers that I'm talking to and going to see, they want the single market open and they want us to remain in. Angus Robertson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On Orlando and on the deaths in France, we on these benches join with the condolences that have been expressed by the Prime Minister and the Leader uh, of the Opposition. We are now only a week away from the biggest question that the UK uh, has faced in a long time, and that is the continuing membership of the European Union. Exports and goods and services from the Scottish economy are massively important. Hundreds of thousands of jobs depend on them. Meanwhile, our public services, including the NHS, are supported by many hard-working people from elsewhere in the European Union. Does the Prime Minister agree with me? If we want to protect jobs, if we want to protect our public services, we must vote to remain in the European Union. 
Well, I, I do believe the most important argument, there are many arguments people make, but the most important argument is about the future of our economy. And it seems obvious to me, you can listen to the experts or you can just make a common sense argument. Today we have full access to a market of 500 million people. For an economy like Scotland's that is so, uh, such a big exporting economy, there's no way we'd get a better deal with that single market on the outside than we get on the inside. And so if we left we would see our economy suffer, we would see jobs suffer, we'd see people's livelihoods suffer. That is just plain common sense. So I absolutely agree with him. For jobs and for livelihoods, we should remain in. And there is a consequence for public finances, because if our economy is doing less well, our public finances would, do it, would be doing less well, and that would have consequences for Scotland too. Angus Robertson. On that issue, uh, may I raise that with the Prime Minister? Because today we have learned from a Conservative Chancellor of the Exchequer and a former Labour Chancellor of the Exchequer that there would be likely to be £30 billion in cuts to public services or tax rises were there to be a Brexit vote. What impact would that have on public services in Scotland? Please can we learn now, before we vote, what impact would that have on the budget in Scotland that pays for the NHS in Scotland, for our schools in Scotland, for local government and for all key public services? Is that not yet another reason why we must vote to remain in the European Union? Well, what I say to the right honourable gentleman is that these figures are not based on what the Chancellor of the Exchequer is saying, they're based on what the Institute of Fiscal Studies and the National Institute of Economic and Social Research are saying. They are talking about a 20 to 40 billion hole in our public finances if Brexit were to go ahead. Now, these are organisations often quoted across this House many times against the government because they are respected for their independence. So clearly, if that is the impact on public finances, decisions to cut public spending in the UK budget do have an impact through Barnet on Scotland. And to anyone who says, um, well, these warnings, of course, uh, they could be wrong or, or they could be inaccurate, uh, and this is an uncomfortable point perhaps to make to the uh, right honourable gentleman, of course, there were warnings about the oil price before the Scottish referendum. It turned out actually to be worse than the experts warned. Mike Freer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Since the, since the terrorist attacks in Paris and Brussels, Many of my constituents are worried that remaining in the EU increases the risk of terrorism, fears exacerbated by the disgraceful comments of people like Nigel Farage. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that our security services are helped, not hindered, by the EU? I would say very directly to my uh, honourable friend, I've done this job for six years. I've seen, working with the Home Secretary, seen how closely our intelligence and security services uh, work with other services around the world. And of course we keep ourselves safe by investing in anti-terrorism policing. Of course we keep ourselves safe by the way we work with the Americans and the Five Eyes Partnership. But I'm in no doubt that the increasing extent of information exchange and intelligence exchange that takes place through the European Union is of direct benefit to our country. It's it's not just that you need a border, you also need information and intelligence to police that border properly. And we're now seeing an enormous amount of exchange about criminal records, terrorist records, passenger uh, name records. Of course, outside the EU, we could try and negotiate our way back into some of these agreements. But right now, we're in them, we're driving them, and we're making them keep people safe in our country. George Howarth. 
Mr Speaker, Knowsley is expecting to receive £10 million in EU funding over the next three years. And EU funding has helped attract businesses to the borough, such as QVC, which created 2,500 jobs. Isn't it the case that this important funding from the EU could be lost if we vote next week, week to leave the European Union? Uh, I think the, the Honourable Gentleman makes an important point, which is that if you look at all of these independent economic reports, they say very clearly there is no financial saving from leaving the EU. The Institute for Fiscal Studies put it like this. We conclude that leaving the EU would not leave more money to spend on the NHS. Rather, it would leave us spending less on public services or taxing more or borrowing more. I would argue there is a big dividend from remaining inside the EU and we'd start to feel it next Friday as companies could see Britain have made a decision and job creators and wealth creators and international investors would know that Britain meant business and they'd be investing in our country. But there's no saving from leaving and that's what the experts agree. Alan Mack. Thank you Mr Speaker. The number of children the number of children growing up in workless households has fallen by nearly half a million since 2010. Will the Prime Minister continue to tackle child poverty by focusing on rising wages, more jobs and a growing economy? I think my honourable friend is right that the most important thing we can do for parents in our country is to help them to get a job, to earn a living and to provide for their family. And in our Life Chances strategy, measuring worklessness and measuring school attainment I think are really important in helping to ensure we continue to lift children out of poverty. Roger Mullin. Mr Speaker, Thomas and L.P. Weston live and run their businesses in Kirkcaldy, but as Germans are denied the vote next week, they are hurt by the portrayal of immigrants in the EU debate. They leave for France on Sunday and are considering leaving permanently if we exit the EU. Will the Prime Minister join my call for them and others in a similar situation to stay as they are highly valued? Of course, there are many people who come to our country, who work hard, who make a contribution and help to build our communities. And I think it is important to get the numbers into some sort of perspective. I think it is 5% of our population that are EU nationals, Italians, Germans, Poles, Spaniards and the rest of it. So if you stop 100 people in the street, only five are going to be EU nationals. And as, as he says, look at our NHS, 50,000 EU nationals working as doctors and nurses and care assistants. Look at our care homes, 60,000 EU nationals helping to look after our elderly relatives with dementia and other conditions as they come towards the end of their life. Yes, we do need to make sure that people who come here are working and make a contribution, but we should celebrate the contribution they make. David Nuttall. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Given the Government's recent enthusiasm for making forecasts and predictions, can the Prime Minister please tell the House in which year will we meet our manifesto commitment to reduce immigration to the tens of thousands? Prime Minister. The last year for which EU migration was in balance, i.e. the number of EU nationals and British nationals leaving our shores to work in Europe and the number of EU nationals coming to live and work here, the last year that was in balance was actually as recently as 2008. So I would say to my honourable friend, yes we need to do more to control migration from outside the EU and we are doing that with the closure of bogus colleges and other measures and we are doing more inside the EU, not least saying that people who come here, if they don't get a job, 
uh, after six months they have to leave. If they do work, they have to work and contribute for four years before they get full access to the welfare system. Those are big changes and those are sensible ways of controlling immigration. A not sensible way is pulling out of the single market, damaging jobs, damaging our economy and having to explain to our constituents why we've self-imposed a recession on our own economy. Aaron Harris. Many from my constituency of Swans East are already struggling to make ends meet. The World Trade Organisation say that if we leave the EU, we could face major tariffs on trade and we would have to renegotiate over 160 trade agreements. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that leaving the EU would hit hard-working families the most, raising the cost of living, and that it's too big a risk to take? The Honourable Lady is right. It is always the poorest of those with least who can get hit hardest if an economy suffers a recession. And I think there are two ways in which the cost of living could be impacted. She's absolutely right. If we leave the single market, go to WTO rules, we'd have tariffs imposed on the goods that we sell to Europe, and that would make us suffer. But also, if the pound is to fall, which many independent experts forecast, the cost of living rises, the cost of the family shop rises, the cost of the family holiday rises, and I think she's right. It's not worth the risk. We shouldn't risk it. We should keep our country safe. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Following the Chancellor's very welcome announcement to launch the new Thames Estuary 2050 Growth Commission, could the Prime Minister outline his hopes for how the Commission's focus will deliver the much needed infrastructure and economic development that will allow North Kent to prosper, including my wonderful constituency of Rochester and Street? Yeah. Minister. Always, whenever I get a question from my honourable friend, I remember how grateful I am that she is sitting for Rochester and Strood uh, and representing um, happy days. Happy days. Um, in terms of the, um, the 2050 Growth Commission, I think the key areas are skills and infrastructure, and there is a serious amount of money being committed to the infrastructure, and we do need to look at things, including the Lower Thames Crossing, to make sure the economy of that region can really make the most of its potential. Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Two and a half thousand people are employed in the ceramics industry in my constituency. Their jobs are dependent on EU trade, their rights are protected by the EU social chapter, and their town centres have been rebuilt with EU funds. With his friends in the Leave campaign producing more spin than a potter's wheel... share my fears that despite Europe's flaws, a Brexit vote could leave us picking up the pieces of a broken economy for years to come. I'm going to nick that soundbite. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Honourable Lady is right. You know, look, if we leave the single market and the European Union, the Council President has said very clearly that process probably takes two years and after that you then have to negotiate a trade deal with the European Union. And if it was a trade deal like Canada's, that could take seven years. So we are looking at a decade of uncertainty for our economy. Now specifically on the ceramic industry, I'm advised uh, by my um, Parliamentary Private Secretary, who before coming here actually did do a a very worthwhile job of working in that industry. And um, he may not be 
not spinning pots anymore, but he's, he's spinning for me very effectively. But the point is, last year we exported £38 million in porcelain and china to the EU. And if we were outside the EU without a trade deal and had World Trade Organisation tariffs, there would be a 12% tax. Now, I don't want us to hit British manufacturers, British car makers, British aeroplane makers. We should be investing in those industries and helping them support and not making their situation more difficult, which Brexit would undoubtedly do. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. 30 years ago, when I was just a little lad, my parents quit their jobs. Uh, <laughs> 30 years ago, my parents quit their jobs and they founded a small manufacturing business around our kitchen table. Today, British manufacturers, particularly small businesses, are worried. And they're worried because if we leave the European Union, they will continue to make their products to common European standards because they value the free market. They value the single market. They value and want to export. But they are aware that the United Kingdom will have no say whatsoever in the formulation of those standards and their competitive advantage will be destroyed. What advice does my right hon friend have for my parents, for small businesses, and for the millions of jobs that depend on them across the country. Well, I'd, I'd always assumed that my honourable friend was under 30, so I'm shocked to get this news. But he makes a very important point, which is that if we were to leave, we lose the seat around the table that sets the rules of the single market. Now, of course, sometimes those rules can be uh, annoying or burdensome, but at the end of the day, they're the rules we have to meet. And so if you leave and you have no say over those rules, you don't gain control, you lose control. That, I think, is an absolutely crucial argument and why small businesses, majority of small businesses, back staying in the EU, as well as a very large majority of larger businesses. Dr Alistair MacDonnell. Speaker, and could I endorse the comments and associate the SDLP with the comments of the Prime Minister about Orlando and Paris and the deaths there? And could I assure the Prime Minister that the SDLP is fully behind him in his efforts to secure a Remain vote? Uh, but, Mr. Speaker, the Brexit campaigners have made securing our borders their resounding war cry. And when it comes to the only land border between the UK and the rest of the EU, we're dismissed and told that nothing will change there. The, a return to customs posts, passport checks and hard border will be critical, critical, a critical economic issue for Northern Ireland's voters in eight days' time. Can the Prime Minister now, once and for all, clarify this point and tell the people of Northern Ireland what will become of the border? if the UK votes to leave the European Union. Well, can I thank him for his remarks about um, the Orlando uh, shootings. Look, on this issue, if we vote to stay in, we know what the situation is. We know that the common travel area works. We know it can continue, and everyone can have confidence in that. If we were to leave and, as the Leave campaigners want, make a big issue about our borders, then you've got a land border between Britain outside the European Union and the Republic of Ireland inside the European Union. And therefore, you could only either have new border controls between the Republic and Northern Ireland, or, which I would regret uh, hugely, you'd have to have some sort of checks on people as they left uh, Belfast or other parts of Northern Ireland to come to the rest of the United Kingdom. Now, we 
can avoid these risks. There are so many risks here. Risks to our children's jobs, risks to our economic future, risks to our borders, risks to the uh, unity of the United Kingdom. I say avoid the risks and vote Remain next Thursday. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Next week I will be visiting 25 schools in my constituency to explain both sides of the EU referendum argument to those of our population who will be the most heavily impacted by a decision which they cannot make. Would the Prime Minister have any words for these young people for the Remain segment? Well, I'm, I'm very grateful for my old friend's hard work. What I would say is this is a vote that even if those people in those schools aren't able to vote will affect their futures. And I hope they will talk to their parents and their grandparents after being inspired by my honourable friend about wanting to grow up in a country with opportunity. And we're bound to have more opportunity if we remain in a reformed European Union with 27 other countries. And I also think it goes to a point about what sort of country we want our children to grow up in. Not just one of economic and job opportunities, but one where our country is able to affect change and get things done in the world. We don't diminish ourselves inside a European European Union, we enhance the power of Britain and the greatness of our country. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Approximately 11,000 of Mark and Spencer's most loyal employees, many with over 14 years' service, are about to get a serious pay cut. Cuts to Sunday pay, bank holiday, and antisocial hours pay, all made on the back of a national living wage, means they'll take home less next year than they do this year, with some losing up to £2,000. This is not just any pay cut, this is a big fat Marks and Spencers pay cut. Does the Prime Minister agree with his Chancellor that cutting take home pay at MS or anywhere else? on the back of the national living wage is wrong, and if so, will he move to make close the loopholes that make this possible? Well, obviously, we want to see the national living wage feeding through into people having higher take-home pay, not lower take-home pay, uh, and we would urge all companies to make sure uh, that is the case. I haven't seen the information about Marks and Spencers, but uh, they know, like any retailer, that they need to attract and retain and motivate the staff that they have, and it's absolutely crucial in, in retail, particularly with all the competition with online, that they continue to do that, and they won't do that if they cut people's pay. Jack Lepresti. Yeah. 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 Mr. Speaker, I agree with the Prime Minister on Europe. When he said to the CBI on the 9th of November last year, and I quote, some people seem to say that really Britain couldn't survive, couldn't do okay outside the European Union. I don't think that is true. The argument isn't whether Britain could survive outside the EU, of course it could. So if, as I hope, despite the panic-driven negativity, from the Remain camp and Downing Street, yeah. the British people vote next week to become a free and independent nation again. Yeah. Yeah. Will my right honourable friend join me in embracing the great optimism and opportunity for our country and our people that such a momentous decision would bring? Say to my honourable friend, as I said at the CBI, of course Britain can survive outside the EU. No one is questioning that. The question is, how are we going to do best? How are we going to create the most jobs? How are we going to create the most investment? How are we going to have the most opportunities for our children? How are we going to wield the greatest power in the world? How are we going to get things done? And on all those issues, stronger, safer, better off, the arguments are on the Remain side. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Could I associate myself and, uh, and indeed all of my party across the country with the 
remarks he made earlier on about the killings in France and the brutal homophobic murders in uh, Florida. Um, the killer and his vicious homophobic act do not speak for Islam. The wealthy elite fueling the Leave campaign will be unharmed by the inevitable hike in interest rates that will follow Britain's exit from the European Union and the decline in sterling. The rate rise, uh, however, will have a hit on millions of ordinary British people. It will put people to lose their homes through repossession and push low-income people further into crippling debt. Would he advise his Tory Brexit colleagues that there is a long-term economic plan on offer in which he can help those people who are hard-working families not to suffer? It is to vote Remain on Thursday. He he and I are often on uh, opposing sides of arguments, but I think it says volumes about the breadth of the campaign to remain in a reformed European Union, that we have the Liberal Democrats as well as the Labour Party, the Greens, the trade unions, business, voluntary bodies and so many others, coming from different perspectives, but all saying, crucially, our economy will be better off, so therefore families will be better off, our country will be better off if we remain in. And he's absolutely right what he says about interest rates. The last thing homeowners need, the last thing home buyers need, the last thing our country needs is a hike in interest rates damaging our economy. And I'm glad he supports a long-term economic plan, and that should have, as part of its plan, remaining in a reformed European Union. Nigel Adams. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I congratulate my right honourable friend for honouring our manifesto pledge and delivering this historic referendum? Unfortunately, we have heard some hysterical scaremongering during this debate, and there are those in this House and in the other place who, if they believe if the British people decide to leave the EU, there should be a second referendum. Can he assure the House and the country that whatever the result on June the 24th, his government will carry out the wishes of the British people? If the vote is to remain, we remain, and if the vote is to leave, which I hope it is, then we leave. Prime Minister! I'm very happy to agree with uh, my honourable friend. In means we remain in a reformed European Union. Out means we come out. And as the Leave campaigners have said and others have said, out means out of the European Union, out of the European single market, out of the Council of Ministers, out of all of those things. And it means, it then means a process of delivering that, which would take at least two years, and then delivering a trade deal, which could take as many as seven years. So I would say to anyone still in doubt, and there are even members in this House still thinking about how to vote, if you haven't made up your mind yet, if you're still uncertain, when you think of that decade of uncertainty for our economy and for everything else, don't risk it and vote Remain. Catherine West. Mr Speaker. The North Middlesex Hospital Accident and Emergency Unit is in complete meltdown. Will the Prime Minister commit to taking swift action to tackle this crisis? Well, I do understand it is a very busy uh, accident and emergency uh, unit. It's received over 13,600 patients through its doors in April alone, but it has managed to carry out 40,000 operations and more than 62,000 diagnostic tests every year. If we look at what has happened 
uh, since 2010. There are 120 more doctors. There are 280 more nurses recruited uh, by the Trust. The Health Secretary will continue to monitor this closely. But I think this comes back to the core argument of today. If we remain in, we'll have a stronger economy. And yes, then we have to make sure we take the proceeds of growth in that economy and continue to put them into the NHS, as I've always done as Prime Minister. Christopher Chope. Mr Speaker, I'm looking forward to the British people giving me the opportunity to vote against the vindictive emergency budget. Will my right honourable friend explain that if the government is so strapped for cash, why is it still intent on spending £50 billion on HS2? Prime Minister. The, the point is that we will be strapped for cash if you believe the Institute for Fiscal Studies or the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, both impeccably independent, who say there'd be a hole in our public finances of between 20 and 40 billion. Now, you don't have to be an economic expert to see this. If the economy shrinks and you have fewer jobs and lower wages, you get less tax receipts. If you have less tax receipts, clearly you either have to make cuts or you have to put up taxes, or you have to increase borrowing. It's a simple matter of mathematics. Now, there's an easy way to avoid getting into that situation, and that is to vote to stay in a reformed European Union next Thursday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Order.